Hey, this is Josh Flanagan from iFanboy.com, and this is an episode of Talksplode. Today we are talking to Chris Eliopoulos. He's the writer of Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers, the new series from Marvel Comics. He's also the writer and artist on Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius, as well as Misery Loves Sherman, his daily web strip, which you can get at MiseryLovesSherman.com. In addition to all that, he's one of the premier letters in comics, and we're going to talk to him about all that stuff. I'm Josh, and I'm here with Chris Eliopoulos. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I, I see that you found time uh, from the nine billion projects uh, that you had to break away for a little bit and talk to me. So, Just barely. Well, I'll sit here and work while we talk. Oh. So that's even better. You can letter a whole book while we do this. Do you even have to pay attention when you letter a book anymore? A little bit. A little bit? I, I you know now I can I could I can throw on a movie and kind of almost watch the movie as I'm as I'm working. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but you know, it's it's not you know it's not brain surgery here. I'm not I'm not going to kill a patient if I if I don't get a word balloon correct. Mm-hmm. Plus, oh. they rewrite the whole thing anyway afterwards. So you know, <laughs> is that a problem? Oh, it's a big problem. Yeah. Well, I'll get, I I have some lettering questions. I'll get to them later. But uh, the, I think the thing that the reason I'm talking to you at this point in time, other than the fact that uh, you know, you're you're a good guy. You're kind of fun. I'm alright. I like you. I, I buy you wings. <laughs> you haven't yet. Well, I, I bought you Mexican food. That's okay. true. That was good, too. Yeah, see? Now everyone's going to know that I'm biased. Uh, this, this week sees the... Now they're going to know. Now. Now. Yeah. Uh, the release of uh, Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers, number one. So mm-hmm. why don't we start and you tell me what the book is, who it's for, how it came together, that kind of thing. Um, well, the book is just basically the, the, the animals and pets of the Marvel Universe, the the, the the creatures that have sort of never gotten their own little uh, time in the spotlight. And um, uh, we tried to pick out some of the real fun ones and interesting ones and maybe not so interesting ones like Miss Lion. But um, basically, uh, I, I think an edict came down. I don't know if it was from my editor or somewhere. And they decided, you know, we need to do something about this. We need to have some animals or something like that. And so he called me up and said, um, Lockjaw and a bunch of animals. Make it happen. <laughs> And pitched me something. So I pitched him the story idea uh, behind this. And um, I made it, you know, with, with animals, you know, it seems so silly. So I had, of course, make the the the, the problem, the, the thing they have to conquer, like really grandiose. I was, I uh, was noticing you, you went for the infinity, infinity Gems right away. Yeah. So it's just the yeah. biggest possible problem. Well, come on. They're animals. Like, you gotta take, you gotta, you got to take it to the other end of the spectrum. You know, everybody's, like, laughing because they're peeing on the carpet. And, you know, and then you got to have it be a real serious thing for them to deal with. But um, so he, he sent me off and said, you know, come up with something. So I came up with him, pick up, picked the animals and said, let's go. And, uh, and then Marvel said, okay, it's stupid enough and crazy enough that we're willing to do this. And that seems to be the thing for Marvel these days is just pick out crazy things, try and push the envelope, and we'll see what happens. Was so. it, was it, is, the, is the goal to write, uh, I guess, for, for a younger audience or? Uh, well, it's an all-ages book. Mm-hmm. Um, and And – for me, not that anybody said this to me, but I thought in my head, I want to do a Pixar movie. I want to do something where whether you're in comic books or not, whether you're a kid or an adult, you can be able to pick up this book and get it mm-hmm. and, and, and enjoy it. Um, I wasn't looking – you know, I, I'm uh, my tendencies in life tend to not be towards 
the deep end of you know craziness and you know i'm not like the brew bakers or the bendises where it's all crime noir and uh you know and i'm not like the you know the other folks that you know are all bloody gruesome stuff i tend to enjoy this kind of stuff and 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 you know when you have kids and it's pathetic because i've seen this in the past you tend to think about that now you start to go well i want to have something that my kids can look at and that my friends can look at and we can look at it together and enjoy it so um, it is considered all ages, but I think that's what it is. All ages, like everybody can look at it, and nobody should, you know, nobody looked at Wally and said, you know, oh, it's all ages. It's rated G, so um, I'm gonna not go see this movie. So it, you know, it struck me as something that would be really cool if I, I don't, but if if like I had I had like a kid, and but I also really liked Marvel comics. Like it felt like a really good. I guess sort of, sort of gateway to bridge those things to make you go, well, well, you know, well, what's this? And well, that's from Thor. And here's Walt Simonson. You know, like, yeah, it just felt like a bunch of things that you could relate to. But um, yeah, I, I'm trying to do that. I mean, that's been sort of, um, sort of my thing going forward. I, you know, I've noticed, and, I, and when I first started on Franklin, my first thought was, you know, we keep talking as an industry, the retailers, the publishers, everybody saying, we need to bring fresh blood in, into this medium. We need to get new readers. We get, get new eyes on the books. But nobody is creating books that are easy for people to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you read an X-Men book, and if you don't know continuity, you know, you're screwed. And, and there is a place for that where people who are in it for a very long time can enjoy those, and it goes beyond just the reading of that actual book. But it's a little you – know, piece of the larger tapestry and what i was saying was we need to bring in you know the kids that haven't been reading the people that you know i are look down on comic books and and they can look at this and and read it and get a story and not feel like oh god i have to know every every villain from the avengers history to read this oh forget it so that was sort of my thought going forward and and i guess this is sort of my new niche is i'm i'm the drug dealer who's giving it away for free in the beginning and getting them hooked that might second, not be the best way to pitch yourself. I always pitch myself as a kid's comic book uh, guy. You know, you always yeah. talk about it as a drug dealer. That's, right. that's the way it goes. That's fine. Um, <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you, what does, you know, with a book like this or, or, or Franklin Richards, like, what does Marvel do anything or, or do you do anything that, that lets people know about it outside of comic shops? And, you know, I, you know, people. You know, I'm I'm fairly insular. You know, we're we're talking to people who are who are you know comics people, and we hope they take it to other people. But, um, like, what kind of things d- d- are done to make sure that other people know about this stuff? Um, I know Marvel's been very, uh, been trying really hard to market it out to a lot of outside sources, and and you know they went out to MySpace with it, and it, it is hard because you know you're trying to preach to uh, an audience that doesn't really know how to get to a comic book store. Um, so it, it's tough. I think. When the trade comes out and it tends and it's going to be on be able to be on bookshelves, there may be more of a push. But um, you know, I've done a few things here and there where I've tried to let people know that I know that it's coming out that aren't into comic books and maybe pass along word. And mm-hmm. and I've gotten some friends and stuff who've who've taken the time to actually go to their friends or other people and and mention the book and say, hey, there's something cool that is coming out. But you know, it really is an uphill battle. I mean, I'm sure you know over the years that it's not it's not easy to interest people uh into comic books who, who already have a preconceived notion mm-hmm. um i was on um as part of a free comic book day i went on to um uh the elvis duran radio show which is i guess is a morning show that's on in a whole bunch of cities around the country and um and they were very nice very gracious and 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 i went in there and the minute they had me on the air um one of the other guys was kind of when he started talking about 
uh, comic books, the other guy was calling him a nerd alert. Oh, nerd alert, nerd alert, yeah. you know. And, and so it was already that preconceived notion that, um, you know, comics are for geeks and nobody's interested, which is kind of bizarre to me anyway, in that they'll run out and, and go spend $80 million on a Wolverine movie. And, yeah. and, and people seem fine with that. And everybody and their mother, literally, everybody yeah. and their mother went to just see Star Trek. I know. There's nothing, we went. There's nothing nerdier than Star Trek. Oh, it's, t- it's like uber nerd. It- it's like crack for nerds. It's, you know, this was it. And everybody went and everybody goes, ooh, it's so cool. But then if you hand them a Star Trek comic, don't want it. Right. Losers, you know. So it- there is a this preconceived notion that, that is really haunting us right now. And um, I'm hoping to sort of do things, and I know a lot of other people are doing it, where you get the kids young and say, look, this is pretty cool. And you get to the teachers. Like, you know, I've got teachers reading stuff and kind of going, this is cool. I- I'm... I'm able to get my kids to read using a comic book, whether it be reading that comic book or telling them they have to read a book. And as um, a reward for getting through something, we'll give you this comic book that you want to read. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, so it's kind of interesting that way uh, as, as a way to do it. And I think you know, as the kids grow up, there isn't that really bad thought that comics are bad or or stupid or or not for them, you know. I mean, they make you know. It's funny. I think about the people who make fun of like comic book fans that go to to the cons and stuff, and they dress up and they wear makeup and they wear goofy outfits. And these are the same people that will go to the local football game with face paint on them and big afros in, in you know shirtless in the color. cold. Yeah, you know. And you got to go. Well, wait a minute. Why is that acceptable? And this is not acceptable. And it's sort of that just that football is cool and comic books are for geeks and and you know guys that are forty year olds living with their mother. You know, and and it's not the case, and no. so hopefully, if we you know with these kind of books where we get them in early, and your parents can say, "Oh, this is safe reading," maybe we've got a shot at getting the next generation to be a little bit more tolerant. Now, now, when you're you're doing a project like this, like you've done, I mean, you've done a lot of Franklin Richards over the years. You've done um, you've done Misery uh, Misery Loves yep. German, and but this is sort of like a different, I guess, a type of story for you in that. I mean, it's it's four issues, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's one long story that goes through four issues. So, was that more of a challenge than doing? I mean, because the, the the Franklins are little little short stories, yep. and things like that. So, so what was it like to to do like a longer piece? It's it's interesting. You know, I've gone from doing the comic strips like Sherman, where it's four panels and you're out, and it's really tight writing, and you really got to edit yourself. Um, and then I moved to Franklin, where it was five pages, and it's sort of like trying to squeeze everything into five pages. And then I did. Um, uh, I did a, a four-issue stint on Marvel Adventures Fantastic Four, but the edict for that book is that you have to do a one-and-out on each book. You can't have it continue over. Mm-hmm. So I got the, you know, a little testing ground of doing an, an issue story, and and then this was the first one where it was a continuous story going across um, four issues. So there were, you know. Things that was like, oh, good, I've got all this space I can do stuff with. But the problem is that then once you have that space, your your mind starts to go and you go, ooh, I've got all this space to tell all this story, and how am I going to get this in? And you know, you it's it's just a whole new level of editing. You wind up editing yourself just as much on the longer stories, but it just you know the thoughts go like the character arcs start to go a little bit more. You know, with Franklin, it's like you know he gets his father's you know stuff. He plays with it, you know, turns himself into something evil or something like that, and then he's turned back and he saves the day, and it's done in five pages. There's no great big story arc for him, you know. The character doesn't go through a lot, um, 
that was my big thing. And you know, I tend to put little constraints on myself. And I said, I have to do something where every character in this has got a, some kind of story arc, mm-hmm. and um, which was a lot harder, you know, for me. Um, I'm used to just you know the comedy, you're in and out, and yeah. make them laugh and go. And um, this is more of a, a real story where you're, you know, um, you know, Lockjaw. When we, begin, we meet him in the beginning of the book, you know, he's pretty devastated. He's he's you know he's lost his friend Kitty, who maybe he had a hand in Lock getting me. them in trouble. Locky, did I say Lockjaw? You did. Uh, sorry, all the locks around. Um, and so he's just, you know, totally devastated. And we sort of want to, you know, I want to, you know, bring him back into the fold again because I guess at the end of Astonishing, he was sort of like almost a bad guy, mm-hmm. in that he sold out, you know, the X Men to uh, to the who are they? The uh, I don't see. I don't even know continuity. Yeah, the, I don't remember. Um, Hammer or no, not Hammer. Who who's the other guys? The uh, the space agency, whoever right. they are. I know who you mean, and I can't Sword, it is that it? Yes, Sword. Sword, Sword that's yeah. totally it. Green hair lady. Yeah. If only um, Ron was here. See, Ron would answer these questions in a heartbeat. We wouldn't have lost uh, all that time. <laughs> yeah. That's the other killer for me is actually continuity. I've had to actually go back and read stuff and, and know stuff because um, in the second issue, Devil Dinosaur shows up. And I had to look back at some of the material about the character. And I realized that two of the characters have actually met Devil Dinosaur before. Mm-hmm. And it, being that this book is technically in continuity, I, I have to address it for the people who know that stuff. <laughs> you know, and it's like there's going to be five people that know that Lockheed had a battle where, where Devil Dinosaur just showed up one day. You know, or that Zabu knows Devil Dinosaur because he's currently in the Savage Land. <laughs> you know, and I'm like – and I'm banging my head against the wall. And, and so you know, because you go, how, how far do you address this? Like how far do you take this where you try to – you know, appease everybody that knows continuity. So I've been sort of working, you know, walking that fine line of trying to figure out how to do that. But um, so that's some of the problems I've been sort of addressing in this so book. This is officially in continuity. I am told it is officially in continuity. Wow, I actually wrote that down as a joke question. <laughs> See, I know. You know, at first I was sort of under the impression there's no way they're going to count this as continuity, especially the story I told them. Mm-hmm. And um, and they were like, nope, that's continuity. Let's go. Have you brought Ms. Lyon into official continuity, or has she already been there? I, I was told that, that she was, but I, looking back on it, I, I did not find any spot where, where he appeared. Um, the only thing I heard was that he was in um, the animated program, right? I think that was where he originally – There was some issue not uh, – between the last four or five years, I remember hearing about where like – there was going to be some sort of connection to that in the normal Spider-Man, but that was before the whole brand new day thing. So, so maybe we there was a dog there all this time that we didn't know about, yeah. and he's never been brought up in the new continuity. So, the camera never tilted <laughs> down. That's all. That's it. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Plus, you know, the dogs are always outside peeing on the on the tree somewhere. So, but uh, so maybe I maybe he is now fully in continuity because of me. But uh, look at I, what I, you've I, done. That's 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 a huge accomplishment. Thanks. <laughs> so, see what, I, see what I bring to the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, were there were there any of the? I mean, because once you start getting into it, and looking at all the animal characters that have existed over the years, like you must have had a giant list. Like, were there some that didn't make the cut? Oh yeah, um, there there were some that made the cut for did not make the cut for certain reasons. Um, um, uh, there was a couple that they were like, no, we don't want you using that character right now. Um, and others were it was like, okay, you know, how many people are going to be on the, how many animals are going to be on this team, people, and and you know, how much is too much? And um, so, you know, people were asking about the squirrel from um, 
the, the, the Great Lakes Avengers. So, right. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you go, okay, I can only put a certain amount of pe- you know, animals in here. And hopefully if we get to do more, we'll have them in there. But, you know, it was a limit of, you know, look, I can't have 20 animals running around here. It would be insane for the artist to draw and be crazy for me to try and write. And, you know, and a couple, obviously, from Marvel, where they said, don't use these characters right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have, a, you know, a, a, the, the West Coast Pet Avengers, the, <laughs> the Great Lakes Pet Avengers, and the Dark Pet Avengers all the way through. So, so have you just been writing down pet gags for, like, months now? No. You know what it is? I, again, I'm trying not to make this just the, the gag after gag after the gag. I want to have it actually be a story. So I work some of the jokes – that I'm, you know, that I've come up with into the story from, at, from the circumstance, mm-hmm. um, and the characters, you know, like um, Hairball, who's, you know, the, basically each animal's got their own personalities of the animals. Like, right. you know, Hairball's a cat, so he's annoying and obnoxious and full of himself, and uh, you know, uh, Miss Line is kind of goofy and loving and and just really stupid, and you know, you mm-hmm. just you love him for that, and. Uh, you know, so I can make the jokes that you know the cat and dog jokes, and the and you know, and you got Red Wing there, so he's, you know, he he's always up in the sky, so he's kind of full of himself, like he's high and mighty, and you know, the cat just wants to eat the bird, you know. So it's just those kind of jokes you can just naturally throw in there, and and you know, and when you've got a f- frog with you know Thor's powers, I mean, the jokes just write themselves, they, don't they? they? Certainly, do. it must be fun to write the Thor speak, by the way. It's harder than you would think. Yeah, I can understand why why JMS decided to just ditch it because uh-huh. you know it's hard to go the thous, the theirs, and you know and canst and didst and you know all those kind of things. And you're just like, this is like the worst schlocky like Shakespearean era speak that you'd want to do. It's just really bad. It's you know it's like a bad Saturday Night Live sketch with that stuff. Where's thou goest? You know, and you're just like, that sounds so dumb. <laughs> you know? um, which ones are the most fun to write? Because, I mean, I, I get the sense, like, the Ms. Lyon character, kind of fun to write because it's just goofy all the time, that sort of id of what yeah, now is happening. Yeah, he's just – because he's just totally, yeah, you know, unpretentious, doesn't understand, just wants to be a pet Avenger. Um, it's just running around like a fool, and the cat, I think, I, I hates him, hates him to death. And uh, and I love the play because it's like, you know, the Burton Ernie or the, you know, Oscar and Felix kind of thing where they just – you know, fight and they're against each other. Um, but uh, I, I do love Frog Thor. I, I, I'm so glad that I actually got to bring back a Frog Thor into this into the Marvel universe. So now let me let me ask one more thing about this. That when I'm I'm reading through it, and you've got panels where Lockjaw like has to make an expression because he's not talking. So how right. is it that you like technically in a script you write you know Lockjaw looks at the other you know, character like this, because this is actually really well done. Like, I, I, I was, I recognize these things as sort of like a combination of, I guess, like a dog expression and a human expression in one. So how did you communicate that? Um, a lot of it was just, you know, I, I gave him the story. Um, Ig is just a talented artist. I, I was I, absolutely amazed that he was able to draw animals that look like animals and that yet they still have this expression and they can move around. Like, you know, most artists, huh? They emote like they, 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 they do. definitely did, which I was really impressed by. Yeah, I mean, most of the time I'd be like, you know, Lockjaw's upset because of, you know, yeah. and then he would sort of put the expression in. Okay. So, um, but, you know, it, it just, he was so telling. I mean, you think about most comic artists that come up, they're they're practicing drawing superheroes. They're drawing people in everyday life. They're drawing, you know, buildings and, and settings. Trying to find somebody that can actually draw an animal that looks like an animal and then 
still has expression is mm-hmm. I, I was blown away when I first started getting pages from this guy. I, I don't know where he's been mm-hmm. or why he hasn't gotten more work, but he's probably going to get so much more work that I'll never get to work with him again. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it re- the art is actually really impressive because one, if you, you know, if you listen to a lot of artists, they say the things they don't want to have to draw, you know, are like animals or, or, you know, animals are big up there for a lot of people. They don't like to like, draw dogs or draw horses or things like that. <laughs> and, and I was really impressed because like they, they looked like animals. Like you could see, you know, like when I look at my dog, he emotes something, and that was really captured, and, and I, I like that a lot. It must have been neat. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's just so great, and and you know, and it's and it's a really nice style too. You know, like sometimes people can draw really well, and it's just kind of a bland looking, you know, mm-hmm. page. But he really is dynamic with it, and um, really each character has their own look to them and and expressions. And I mean, I'm to- you know, like I said, when you see a lot of artists these days, you know, and they say, okay, draw a kid. It looks like a small adult, you <laughs> a know, little muscly child. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little Benjamin Button or whatever the thing, you know, just this this mm-hmm. miniature thing that sort of looks like you know Superman, really small. And uh, but you know he's able to take an animal and and draw it and then express and and you know put him in different in positions too. Like I mean, these are not like you know standard superhero pose one. Mm-hmm. You know, these are you know he's doing some weird stuff. I and mean, I'm asking him to do some really weird stuff. You know, uh, in the in the second and third issues, like they, they're in places, you know, it's it's insane. I mean, the second issue, you know, they're going up against Devil Dinosaur in a jungle. In the third issue, I think you saw the cover is they're going to be under underwater. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's just, and then he's knocking it out of the park. I, you know, I can't get this guy. This guy's making me look good because you know, I I just write okay, you know, a big giant battle with a dinosaur and. <laughs> And I get paid just as much, and then he has to go and draw it and take you know three days to draw a single page and curse my name and get paid whatever he gets paid. Yeah, but who's winning that one? Yeah. I know. See? See? Who, it's better to be the writer. Oh, one more question about Lockjaw. Oh. Since you're writing him. Yes. Is he a dog or is he a human who is transformed into a dog? What's your take on it? He's a dog. Okay, he's just a dog, always been straight up dog. <laughs> I read in my research that Stan at one point, they asked him the same question, and he said, Lockjaw is a dog, duh, and so I am taking Stan's lead on this one. Um, he says he's a dog, he's a dog. I actually wanted to put in a scene uh, in there, and they said it's not necessary, and I think they, I think Marvel likes the ambiguity to it, sure. but uh, so it's not really addressed in the book, but I really wanted to have them kind of say, are, are you a dog or, or are you an inhuman? Like, what are you? Mm-hmm. And I was going to have uh, Miss Lyon kind of just trot around behind him, sniff his butt, and say, "Yep, he's a dog," but <laughs> but they kind of didn't want uh, didn't want to go that route. <laughs> they don't they don't spell it out fine. Yeah, you know, I you know, I think there's some people that really like the idea that maybe it was an human, like you know, a person that was put into the the mists and and came out a dog. So, but uh, you know, if Stan, who was I think was in partial creation of of the Inhumans, Jack. You know, did most of them because it was I a great know. series that Jack never got to do. I know, I know, and that's why I was very particular about the way I phrased that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, Stan had a part in the creation of it. So, uh, and if he says he's a dog, he's a dog. Yeah, but that, that definitely counts as uh, as canon, I think. Plus, everybody likes bulldogs. Why would you like take away that from all the bulldog lovers? It's true. You know, like you, like me, exactly. You, I, I had a, I had a web handle of a lockjaw thing for a really long time that I used. It may be on my Skype name right now, but I'm not giving that out. Don't anyway, that. <laughs> no. Um, the, I think the last thing that I saw that you did um, was the the Marvel Assistant Size Spectacular, where mm-hmm. you you wrote the 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 interstitial bits. So you actually had to write the real people. 
Yeah, the framing. Yeah, I, that's that, that's why I'm never going to get work again because I actually had to make fun of the people that hire me. Well, I was, I was curious about that because. Like, did you go hang out with all of them for a day? <laughs> I mean, like, how did you make sure that you got them? I talked to them. Um, I, I know these people because okay. I deal with them every single day. Um, it, the way, when Lauren um, Sankovic, who, who got me, you know, offered me the job, she said, well, you work with all – there's nobody else that knows us better than you. You talk to us every single day, right. every one of us. So I know all of them. Um, and, you know, I, I totally exaggerated their personalities because, you know, it's just supposed to be some goofy, you know – framing sequence you know and so i've kind of pushed their personalities really towards the you know the far end but uh uh i know i know that you know we've hung out we you know we'll go out once in a while i'll see them in the offices we'll talk and we're on the phone every single day so um they felt like i was the best one that could uh capture them and then now i will never get work again <laughs> i don't think you were that harsh on them well, you know, it's funny. Is they all got a say in it, so they all got to edit themselves. So, oh, that's that's not even fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. They took it. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I would ever say this. I was like, yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. I, the only one I got to give it to Jordan though. He was he was. I I really made him out to be really the 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 fan geek uber nerd guy, mm-hmm. and where most people would have said, oh, I don't want to do. Don't do that to me. He was just like, all right, I'm that way. Go ahead. You know, go go to the deep end. I don't care. So you know, I'll give him kudos for allowing that to go on. So, and that's a whole other type of writing challenge than all the others that we were talking about. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I haven't really settled into one sort of thing. You know, like most of the big time writers, or even just any of the regular writers that you see in comic books these days, they sort of have their own. Um, genre that they kind of deal with, you know. You know, you got Brubaker, who's very crime noir, and he sort of—it's a twenty-two page story carried over six issues, and that sort of happens. Or you know, he's got you know his uh, self-published stuff and mm-hmm. creator on stuff, and and it all seems to kind of fall into the same kind of parameters. You know, I'm doing things from four-panel strips to four-issue limited series. I'm doing, you know, real-life quote-unquote stuff with the with the assistant editors, and I'm doing, you know, a goofy, you know, eight-year-old who's taking his father's gadgets. So it's like I'm all over the planet. I I, I haven't settled on anything yet. I I think it's just because I'm not good at anything, so I can sort of just flitter around a little bit, and nobody can, you know, f- mm-hmm. discover how crappy I am. You can't be pinned down. Yeah, you know, like if I did like. Multiple issues of Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers over the next two years, people would finally realize that I really suck and I would never get work again. So if I keep changing what I'm doing, people will realize that won't realize that I'm as bad as I am. Well, no, no, that's the trick. Um, but I mean, like, if you hear something like that, do you have like that moment of, oh, that's I don't know, can I hit? Well, what the heck? Let's let's give it a shot. I mean, because that that's what it feels like to me. It's like, well, you have a, you can do this kind of thing that's completely different. You, all right, yeah. sure, give it to me. We'll figure it out on the way. Yeah, I've never, you know, I've got the freelancer mentality. I've had, you know, I'm, I've been working uh, in the industry for 20 years, and I think about 18 of them I've been freelance. And you know, the the, the-, the theory is um, always take on work when it's offered to you, because you know there may become a time when you don't have the work, mm-hmm. and um, and the first time you say no, everybody just assumes from then on you you aren't available for work for the rest of your life. <laughs> and so. Um, I mean, that happened to me once. There was an editor way back early on who's no longer at Marvel who offered me to do, uh, asked me to do an issue of something, and I said I just couldn't do it. And like 15 years later, you know, or 10 years later, she's just like, I'm like, hey, you know, you know, you never give me work, and she's like, oh, I thought you were busy. <laughs> you know? So it's like, wow, okay. So 
But um, with this kind of stuff, also, I, I like challenges. I mean, I, I know most people think of me as a letterer, and I've always wanted to get into writing and drawing and stuff. And so um, when somebody offers to do something, hey, I'll give it a shot. I want, you know, I want to break out. I don't, I don't want to always be forever known as the lettering guy. You know, I'd like to have some other credits to my my name, and so doing this kind of stuff is sort of a challenge. Like, let's see if I can do this. Maybe you know, you never know. I might be good at this. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think too many people um, handcuff themselves into worrying about you know having it be the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a professor in college who said to me once, "Do the best job you can in the time allotted." Mm-hmm. And you know. You know, I know most people. They they when they're trying to start out, they they write up a script and they rewrite it and write it again and again and again and trying to fix a script and make it the absolute most perfect thing in the world that they could ever make it. And what happens is they overwork it and it becomes a muddled mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and my th- my thought is, you go in, get it done. You're not you're not writing War and Peace. You're not going to be the next Shakespeare. Just do a really good story, tell a good story, and get out. And uh, so when I get offers like this, I'm like, yeah, let me try it. Let me see if I can tell a good story. Let me see if – how can I get all these characters in? Their person is in, in five pages within the framework of three other stories and make it cohesive that it's actually telling a story and not just like guys standing around going, what do we do now? So, um, so yeah, I, I, you know, anytime anybody offers me stuff, I'm just like taking it because, hey, what's the worst that can happen? It's really bad. Well, they fire me and they put somebody else on there. What do you, you know? do when you're trying to? I mean, you, you got you get an assignment like this. You get something and, and you have to come up with a pitch. You have to come up with stuff, and you need to you know think of the ideas that form it. Like, what are the kind of things that you do when you have to think of that stuff? I mean, you can't like sit in front of a computer screen and think. Mm-mm. I have to think um, of an idea. It's funny. I have sort of this this stupid way of doing things, but I usually grab myself a cup of coffee. I know it sounds stupid, but it's I'm I'm really OCD. I mean, when it comes to this kind of stuff, um, I'll grab a cup of coffee. I um I close the window shades. <clears throat> I turn on Green Day really loud and kind of jump around my studio like a maniac, just sort of getting the blood pumping. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I sort of sit down and I start writing out ideas or if I'm doing a script I'll start writing out a script or if I'm writing a uh, you know a comic strip I'll write it out um, sometimes while listening to the music and then eventually it gets to the point where I it becomes a distraction and I turn it off and I just get, get it down um, uh, but for me it's sort of like just getting pumped up like I, I need to get pumped up and get moving and then the brain starts firing and you start going up with stupid ideas and um, you know, I was reading a book where oh, I got to remember this book. It, it, they were discussing creativity, and um, one of the things was uh, they she discussed was priming the pump. It was mm-hmm. basically like you're going to be doing something. There's nothing wrong with reading something else that may be similar or maybe you know um, even not even similar, but just an inspiring thing. Read it and sort of get the blood going and go, oh man, I would love to do something like this. And so I do that sometimes as well where, you know, I'll just read something and, and kind of get pumped up and and say, this is something I'd like to do someday, or this is what I can make. Oh, or maybe if I do something sort of like this, but in this different frame, it'll be good. So it's, it's you know, a lot of it is just sort of letting the brain work and not getting in its way, which is a really odd thing. Yeah. You know, where you just say, okay, I'm not going to, I usually don't put any conditions on anything I write I'll just say oh, look I'm going to write this thing if it's stupid it's stupid and I can go back to it and and retweak it afterward um, usually in the beginning I just vomit everything out 
Do you Everything. tend to plow through a script or do you make an outline first? Um, the way I learned to script a comic book is is the way that Eric Larson does it. And we would discuss this at nauseum because you know he's very particular on the way he thinks the comic book should be done yes. or his comic book should be done. And so, but I learned a lot from him because I mean, obviously, he's you know one of those big names that really knows a lot about comic books and really knows about storytelling. And um, it's sort of like um, sculpting. Mm-hmm. Um, he he started the big picture, like you say. Okay, in this issue, this is what's going to happen, and it's just a very broad, like one paragraph. Um, thing you know, Lockjaw finds you know Infinity Gem has to go find a crew. They get to this certain point and something happens, and then you say okay. And then I break it down by pages. I go you know I, I label one through twenty two, mm-hmm. and say okay, Lockjaw does this. The, you know in page two he does this, and it's just a simple one or two pa- pa- um, sentence description. Then I go back, and um, I start doing each panel breakdown so i'll say you know panel one this happens da, 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 all the way through the book and then finally i'll go back and i'll script the whole thing hmm. and once that's done um i put it aside for a little bit and then i come back to it and uh like i said because i usually just type it to get it out yeah and you sort of just want to get it down on paper so you don't lose it and once i do that i uh i really edit it a lot i go back and it's funny that i am still learning this is even though, especially working in comic strips, I tend to you have to edit yourself and, and pull out material. Like you don't need that. You don't need a five sentence thing to say what you can say in one sentence. Mm-hmm. So I tend to go back in and edit out a lot of stuff and make it simpler. Um, and you know, even in cases like with Ig, um, his art is just so good. You, sometimes you don't even need the dialogue because he, it's right there in the artwork. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need to see that Lockjaw's upset or or scared. He, he looks it. You know, you don't need somebody, you know, another character going, gee, Lockjaw, you look sad. No, he he already looks sad. You don't have to tell him. It's like, you know, the old school stand way of doing things, you know. Yeah. There would be a caption saying, and the volcano blew up, and then there'd be a volcano blowing up, and then there'd be a big sound, of cr- sound effect across it saying, crack a kaboom or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, you just needed the picture. So, um, so that's sort of the way I do things mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Um, it seems to work for me. Um, I know that a lot of people work different ways where maybe they do five pages at a time or they um you know do all the script at once and then come back and redo everything so this is what works for me so i imagine you've picked up a lot having seen so many scripts over time mm-hmm. i mean the, and so many different ways of doing it i guess yeah i mean i've could have i could have gotten a doctorate from the people that i've learned from i mean you know when you're talking about like working with people like um you know Joss Whedon and Brian Bendis and Ed Brubaker and you know all these other talented JMS and Mark Miller and Grant Morrison and you know all these people you know Alan Moore I've worked with all these people and I've seen all their scripts and I've and and, and it's sort of like a doctorate thesis you just learn and learn so much and see how they set story up and how they make it work and none of them is the same they don't approach it you know even looking at the scripts they don't approach it the same but. At the end of the day, it's all about good storytelling and you know, learning from these guys by working with them. And it's sort of tactile because you're working with the lettering and you're um, basically inking their words on the page. You, know, it, you learn so much from just you know, absorption. You just suck it all in. So any great writer should, should learn how to letter so they can uh, <laughs> learn from the best. I can tell you that learning how to letter, even at the, it really makes you uh, think about how much you want to put in a panel. 
and how much mm-hmm. you don't actually need. That's yeah. I mean, just for, if, if I write something and then go back in and letter it later, I was like, wow, I, I didn't need all of this. This writer's an asshole. Well, I, I never say that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I was talking think, about myself, so it was okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah, you know, sometimes I do that too. I look at these scripts and I go, you know, why isn't anybody editing him? Why aren't they? saying look you know the picture's right there you don't need to do it i mean it's changed a lot now in that um most scripts are not done the old marvel way where it was a plot and then the the artist would go off and draw it and then it would be scripted it's usually full script now Mm -hmm. so even now there's more of a tendency to go back for writers and fix because they now have the art afterward and and it may not match exactly so they'll fix things and realize that stuff can come out and they'll see a drawing that's really good and say, well, you don't need this anymore. So um, that tends to happen a lot now too, is, is the sort of editing after the fact, mm-hmm. so, which is a new thing. So have you been, I mean, do you have time to letter stuff anymore? It sounds like you got a lot of things going on. Like, has the ratio changed a lot? Like are you doing you know, less lettering? Yeah. Well, you know, I've got a, a few guys working for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I oversee all the lettering that we do. So any of those books that you see, VCs, Right. You know, Joe Caramagna or Corey Pettit or Russ Wooten, those guys are working with me on this stuff. So, you know, they're using my fonts and I, I oversee them and I check everything over. Um, but I am still lettering a few books. Um, usually it's like the big ones that, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, the top guy is on the book list. I mean, the top guy, whatever. The guy that, you know, will cause the least hassle is on the book. Oh, wait, Todd and- Klein works for you too? No. Yeah, see? Oh. There you go. Nice. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, but I'm still doing a few books here and there, and and you know I have a regular, a few regular books that I still do, and uh, but yes, the ratio. I mean, there was a point. I mean, it was a heavy point, but um, way back in the '90s, I, when I was still lettering um, on the boards by hand, at one, at one stretch I was doing about 30 books a month by hand, which was insane. Um, I had no life, not like I do now. But <laughs> can you uh, even grasp a pen anymore? It's funny. It's it's hard now. I tried doing it. Um, I did um, I did a five page story um, for Spider Man Family uh, a couple years ago, two years ago maybe, and it was a six page story. And I asked to hand letter it, and they allowed it. And I picked up my old pens and stuff, and it was so hard. It took me like so long to just do these six pages where normally I would have been done in like two hours. It took me half a day to do, and uh, I was like, wow, I, I really lost it. It's it's you know it's over. Um, but, uh, you know, nowadays I, I'm doing maybe four or five books a month okay. at most. So, but, you know, between me and the guys that are working for me, we're doing, you know, 50 to 60 books a month. Now you must, just, you must still have people come to you and, and, and want to do lettering and stuff. Like what's the, what's the kind of stuff that you look for? Like what requirements do people have that if they want to work for you? Um, well nowadays it's more of a need of, um, computer and design skills um you need to know illustrator photoshop uh indesign and um you really need to have a a design sense um you know i've I've had so many people come up to me and 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 also a realization that it is a i used to be an art now it's a craft Mm -hmm. um but you need to understand that it is a discipline and there are things to look for and it's not just plopping stuff down on a page somewhere um, there are things to look for in terms of storytelling, in terms of you know setting the stage for a story or giving it um, you know a sense like you know depending on the font you choose or the style you use, you know if it's a creepy story, you don't want it looking like you know a pinball machine. you know it needs to look you know pretty scary. Um, you know and and unfortunately, 
it's deceiving because most people think, oh, it's lettering. It's a bunch of letters in a balloon and you know words in a balloon, and you you're out. Um, and I, granted, it's a lot of that, but there's a lot more. And and it's so funny. I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I'd like to come work with you. I'd like to become a letterer. I mean, how hard could it be? <laughs> you know, which of course is not the way you want to go into. Certainly not. You know, like nobody goes in and says, "I want to be a writer for comic books." I mean, how hard could it be? <sighs> you know, because it's you know it is a discipline, and there is things to look forward, and there you know there's a professionalism to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there you know it takes a lot of effort. You know, I've, you, you need to look at what's going on, and and you know, but lettering can be different too. You know, in the mainstream books, there's a certain style, mm-hmm. and we sort of developed a kind of. Universal style between you know Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, sort of that's you know everybody sort of looks the same. But you know out in independent comics, there are other ways to do things. I mean, if you look at look at like at Cerebus, mm-hmm. I mean that's just amazing stuff to look at, and uh, you know it's totally different from anything you would find in, you know in a Spider-Man comic. Mm-hmm. So, but there is a level of design and craft to it that that you need. Um, anybody coming up, I would say um, learn Illustrator, learn Photoshop. Um, look at what's come before. Um, study type. Um, nobody seems to study type anymore, which is what I, you know, I studied type in college, and then, you know, I got you know the hands-on course. You know, you had to learn why do letters go together a certain way, and what's with spacing and 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 that kind of stuff. And it's kind of boring stuff where most people would be like, oh my god, it's tedious. Who cares? But you know, if you have that interest in it, mm-hmm. it's really a fun thing to do to to design stuff and make a page look good. You know, um, I always feel like I, uh, my job is to make the lettering a part of the artwork and still tell the story and have no one notice. Mm-hmm. So, what, what's like a what's like a really common mistake that you see from from like beginners who are doing it? I'm just curious. It must be like a thing that you see people do all the time that they shouldn't do. Um, a lot of it is just you know plopping stuff down on a page and not worrying about. Um, what it's covering up, or um, you know, who it's going to, and you've got these big fat tails that look like you know a big you know apple pie shape coming out of them, and and you know type touching the borders, um, that kind of stuff. It, it a lot of it is very technical and sort of nuanced little things, um, which beginners always seem to have. They they kind of go well, you know, just put the lettering down and then put a balloon around it. Um, so that kind of stuff, you know, um, nowadays with the advent of all these fonts, um, I, I tend to see a lot of people when they're doing like sound effects, they grab like, you know, the, the over to the shelf, not even comic craft fonts or Blambot or anything like that. They'll just grab like, you know, Helvetica and do a sound effect Ooh. and go, don't that look great? Um, and then, and then I tend to think it's just, which happens a lot across the board, um, um, I've noticed I, – I, t- people tend to get satisfied. Though I've never been satisfied with my work. I'm never happy with it. I'm never happy – like you know, I'll finish a story or I'll finish a page and go, God, I'm still never ha- – like I could do better than this. Mm-hmm. And I, I see a lot of people who are just starting out and go, I got it. Done. Don't need to learn anything more. Um, you need to really have that desire to want to be better than you were on the last page. Mm-hmm. Um, which goes to all the disciplines, the writing, to drawing, to everything. You know, you, the minute you are satisfied with your work is the day you should just quit. Because uh, really, because I mean, I, I've seen so many people who are like, I think this is really good, and you just go, this is utter crap. What are you talking about? Because they don't have that inner critic. I 
yeah, to just look at it and critique themselves and say, look, I'm, this is just awful. You know, I can do better than this. It's something I call the George Lucas effect. Ugh, nobody left well, to tell you anymore. Well, hopefully you have other people that you can show it to and they can kind of yeah. you know, put you in your place. I mean, nobody put George in his place because he owns the place. So exactly. nobody's, nobody's going to tell the boss you suck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm thinking Jar Jar Binks, not so good, George. What? Yeah, You're fired. Let me just red in his blue pen. Um, <laughs> but finally, before we go, I, I, I wanted to make sure that uh, I, I brought up uh, Misery Loves Sherman because uh, this is a, a daily strip you do on the web every weekday. That's correct, right? Yes, sir. And you've done it every day since uh, December 31st, 2007. Correct. Wow. When do you when, when do you do these? I don't know. You know, I, I was laughing. I was telling somebody today. I think the reason I, I work so much is so I don't have to stop and think about my impending death. So if <laughs> I keep working, I won't have to I won't have to get like, you know, become like a little mass of flesh, you know, on the ground in the fetal position. Um I just I like doing this stuff. I mean, you know, when you love doing it, you just do it. And you know, I right now it's a uh, it's it's never missed a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've never had a, a guest strip. I've never missed a day. It's always come out on time, um, and it's just something I love to do. And you know, a lot of people forget. I think coming up that yeah, this is a business. But the reason you should be doing it is because you love doing it, not because you want to make money or become famous. Um, you know, the, right now the web strip is is starting to really pick up, and a lot of people have noticed it lately. And um, I'm going to be doing a book soon, and. Um, you know, I think maybe even the added benefit of IDW is going to be publishing um, my old strip, Desperate Times, in October. So I, I may get more attention. And right now, it's not making me really any money at all. Mm-hmm. And but I just love doing it. I love writing and drawing a comic strip, and um, that's my motivation. I'm not looking to make a million dollars. I'm not looking to sell it to Hollywood and and live the easy life. And uh, usually I, I kind of tell a lot of people when they're first coming up, that's why you should be doing this. And uh, and so the, to answer your question, why am I doing this is because I love doing it and I want to do it. And, you know, just because I don't make a million dollars on it doesn't mean I should stop. Well, I mean, it, it, it right now you're in a place where, you know, newspapers and comic syndication is going away for the most mm-hmm. part. So, I mean, at this point, you've got to just be doing it because you really like to do it because there's not necessarily a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow i guess i mean there are there are a number of people who are actually doing web comics these days um on the web who mm-hmm. are making money they're making a living this is their job um you know there's a f- few guys that you know there's penny arcade which is just shot out of a cannon i mean they're over the i mean they're they're the exception to yes. the rule I and mean, they're making a really they're making a boatload but there's like you know schlock mercenary um pvp online um sheldon they're doing well, they're making their money, mm-hmm. and um, I, I I think this is where things are going. I think we still need to figure out um, uh, a monetary plan to this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's still the you know the 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 whole you give away the strip for free and then you sell other things like books and plushes and shirts and you know little tchotchkes that you can sell to the people that read, um, which. You know, I mean, some people have an aversion to it, like oh, you're just a T-shirt salesman as opposed to a guy that's you know working on a comic strip. Well, yeah, I mean, but so, but newspapers, you're selling to a client. You know, you're not really selling the artwork; you're selling the syndication rights. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's all named whatever you want to call it. But um, I, I think in the future, this is where it's going to be. You're going to see, 
you know, comic strips offered on the web, and hopefully we'll start reaching out to new audiences that you know aren't fully aware that they're out there yet, and get there. So well, it's interesting because you're doing, I guess, sort of a, a more typical kind of strip in that it's 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 not wrong to say it's in the vein of like a Calvin and Hobbes strip, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of the other strips that you mentioned, you know, those have like a, a pop culture gaming element, I guess, that has helped sort of drag them along a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, usually the first adopters of of new technology are are the guys that are into, um, you know, gaming or computer nerds, quote unquote. You know, like the sort of the guys that are aware of this stuff. You know, the, the, the folks like us who who know where to look for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon after comes the people like you know, like things like Facebook and Twitter. When I first started out, it was just for the 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 real computer guys that you know and gals who really knew that that thing and got into it and then eventually the main street audience comes along too and they discover it afterward so i've been sort of doing this with the thought that um these guys have paved the way gearing towards that crowd but we need to provide something again i'm always trying to provide out to the mainstream audience and this is what i'm doing i'm sort of going okay this is something you're familiar with you've seen it every single day on your newspaper strip you know you're on your in your page and now i'm offering it here so it's the same thing. You don't have to feel scared. It's the same feel, and, and you you can feel comfortable. And just like the newspaper, it's for free. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to this, you know, the bookstore and you see the book, you're going to pick up the book maybe. Or if you like the shirt, you'll pick up the shirt. So it's sort of um, the same kind of thought. And I I tend to think um, the strips are going to go that way now. You know, we've sort of gotten the people that are niche audiences, and we need a few guys that are reaching out beyond the niches like you know gaming or um computer technology and stuff like that now do, now do you do, do you do these in like a bunch um like a bunch of strips at a time yeah usually what i'll do again my little chore of drinking coffee and dancing around like an idiot and then i'll i'll sit down and write maybe a week or two weeks worth of strips um that's usually obviously the hardest part mm-hmm. um and then I'll go in and draw. Some weeks it's different from others because I've also, like I said, I've got a day job. Mm-hmm. I've got three of them actually. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, sometimes I – like this week I'm kind of screwed in that you know, I'm, I have a, an issue. I, I just finished up an issue of Lockjaw. I have books to letter and then I have um, an issue of Franklin that goes in a couple weeks and I basically have one page written and drawn. So I have like – two or three weeks to draw that up so i'm i'm behind the eight ball so i'm actually drawing these strips piecemeal right now but when i get back into you know having time i will bat out like two or three weeks worth of strips ahead of time and and get it done it's not the greatest way to work but you know right now it's it's my fourth job so i've got to you know and now you've gone so long you can't miss one Oh, I, I don't plan on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't missed and it's and it's it's sort of like a again, I always set these goals for myself and I, I sort of challenge myself and say, well, you know, you know, cuz you always hear at least I do. You you hear a lot of um cartoonists, syndicated cartoonists or others who complain and say, you know, web cartooning is not a real discipline. You're not a professional. Look at these guys. They don't put it out when they say they're going to put it out. It's not on time. They don't hit their deadlines. You know, they'll have guest strips or they'll just not show up for two weeks and leave their their audience hanging, and I don't want to be that. I still like to be the, you know one of the biggest po- compliments anybody can give me is that I'm I'm a professional, and so for some you know being a professional means you do it even if you're exhausted and you don't want to do it. You've got to get it done. Mm-hmm. So um, I've sort of you know put my foot down and said I'm going to keep coming out. And I'm sure I will miss a day at some point in the near future. Um, it's bound to happen, but I'm I'm 
trying like the Dickens not to. Are you still doing? Are you drawing them um, like on paper and stuff, or are you doing them digitally? Yeah, you know, I recently got a Cintiq, which right, is yeah. you can draw on the on the computer. Um, the Franklins now, the last issue of Franklin I did, I did all on the computer. Oh wow! Uh, but I still love the feel of drawing on paper with a brush. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to do this because I love it, I want to do it the way I love it. And right. so I did the strip on board. I've got like a stack that's probably about two feet high of strips um, that uh, I still have floating around. But I, I you know, I, that's the joy I get. I love to sit down at the board and, you know, draw with a brush and ink. Do you hand you letter know. them? Yep. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yep. I mean, because that's what I love to do. I, lo- I love doing that and – like I said, if I'm not doing it for the money, I'm doing it for the love. I love, you know, doing it physically. Um, I've been lucky that I, I sat down and I learned on the Cintiq, and now I'm able to do Franklin on the Cintiq, which takes, which saves a lot of time actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about running your hand through the ink as you're inking. How and, long did it take you to get that down? I guess from playing. I I, I still don't have it down, mm-hmm. but I'm getting better. Um, it. I I got I got it um, in January, mm-hmm. so um, within uh, about a month or two, I was confident enough that I, I went ahead and did that uh, previous issue of, of Franklin on on the computer. So um, I'm still not totally happy, mm-hmm. and but I'm never happy with any of my work, hand or you know drawn by hand or drawn on the computer. So um, I'm always trying to get better and try to learn new things and. But uh, it, it takes a little time. It's just like any other tool. You, you learn as you go. Well, well, no one can say you're not diversifying. <laughs> you gotta. Yeah. The only way to survive these days. Okay, so uh, it's, it's miserylovesherman.com. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And you can go and there's a new strip every weekday. Correct. Completely free. Free. Beautiful. No charge. Exactly. You can even subscribe and get it delivered right to your, I don't know, your web browser. Okay. RSS feed. So, gotcha. uh, anything else? Did we cover everything for now? I think. Um, I was going to make a real bowel movement joke, but you know what? I think we'll let that one go. Can I tell you something? Sort of uh, tangentially, but not really related. I can't walk past a hot dog cart in the city of New York without hearing you say "knish knish knish" in my head. Really? Yeah. Do you remember wow. that story? No, not you're, a clue. You're the New York Comic Con, <laughs> and you were outside, and there's the row. Of all the vendors that hang out outside, uh huh. And there's one guy, and he's like, "Hot dog, hot dog, sausage, kanish, kanish." And you walk, you walked up to him, and you said, "I said kanish," and he said, "No kanish." <sighs> you really That's... don't remember that story at all? No. Wow. I did that. You, really? You told it to me like two times that weekend. Oh man! See, I, I, tell, I get out of my system. Kanish, kanish. You're like, what? <laughs> you just, you just offered the kanish. Yeah. See, this I told you. I, I have to get it out onto the page, or I forget about it. So. <laughs> I, I got it out. You heard it, and now it's now it's it's history. Now, well, so. yeah, now it's now it's in your head. Yeah, totally. Kanish, kanish, kanish. <laughs> wow, I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked. Anyway, I um, love it. It well, made me uh, laugh again. I didn't. I don't remember it. It made me laugh, so it must have been funny. It, it was. It was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, thanks a lot. My and, pleasure. Uh, enjoy a kanish if you can. I will try to. All right, I'll talk kanish. to you later. Be good. I want to thank Chris for talking to me and having fun and also for that Mexican food he brought me the one time. And uh, make sure you check out his work and get over to miserylovesherman.com for a new web strip every single weekday. Also, make sure you check out ifanboy.com to comment on this and all the other stuff that we've got going on there. Thanks. Thanks.